Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. Joined by Jordi Neal today, we're going to be talking about the weekend's action. We're going to be talking about what's coming up this weekend to come. We've got Bills over in the USA, we've got Bills in the UK to talk about, and then we've also got the announcement that George Rose is retired as well, so that's going to be quite an interesting conversation to have in this episode. But Jordi, just before we get into it, of course, just need to give a quick shout-out to Spare Attack Boxing, the sponsors for this podcast. If you've not heard of them, you need to go over and have a look on their website which is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk follow them at attack boxing on twitter and follow them at bear attack boxing on facebook and instagram and give us a follow find us at btr boxing pod and btr boxing podcast on facebook and subscribe on any of the platforms that are available to you that's things like youtube things like podbean spotify stitcher you, you know the score by now so let's get on with it then jordy great to have you back on how are you doing yeah i'm Salmi, I'm alright. Uh, fighting a bit of a January cold, but I'm alright apart from that. But uh, yeah, it's been it's good to get back on, and uh, we, as we touched on, that being put out a load of content yourself, but. So it's good to now get back in the swing of things. And so as of this weekend, the uh, the boxing bills really start, you know, rolling in both in in the UK and and abroad. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good start to the boxing season really this weekend. I mean, we, we were talking about this just before we started recording about some of the fights are all right, some of them are you know they look a bit shit on paper, but some of them look great. So it's going to be interesting to talk about them. But I think because we've not done like a, a dedicated reaction show this week, I wanted to obviously cover off the victory for Keith Thurman 
over the weekend and have a little chat about that because obviously I was I was looking to see how he would come back after having this long layoff for, for nearly two years and obviously holding the WBA title hostage for that time as well which is something I wanted to talk about with you but I just wanted to get your initial reaction really to it what what did you make of that performance against Lopez? Um, I don't think it was vintage for him and definitely when his, his, his absolute best performance but you know he's had such a long time out I don't know what, like what we could expect sort of thing you know I don't think he, he anticipated the fight to be that competitive that hard I don't think any of us did really you know looking at Lopez's um, record and you know he was beat by Berto and stuff like that but I don't think um, Thurman really prepared for the fight that turned out Do you think all that'll be is you know a good 12 rounds in the bank and hopefully he kicks on from that but he thought like it was a bit of a, a bit of a baptism of fire after being out for so long Do you think it was a case of the, the, the ring rust factor of it I mean I was talking about it on the little preview episode that I did on Thursday whether it would be a big factor in the fight or whether it's just a case of I don't want to say it but you know that length of time out has he has, has he lost a little bit of himself I mean it's hard to it's hard to say I mean what do you think do you think it was just sort of ring rust not being in the ring competitively for two years or do you think it's the fact that yeah. it's starting to diminish a little bit It'll be, it would be harsh just to write him off based on that performance and say oh you know he's lost it and stuff you, you, you know you've got you can't just dismiss how long he's been out the ring but maybe if he, if he sort of you know puts a few performances where he's not hitting the heights that he was before his layoff then yeah maybe so because you know time gets everyone and it's really not a sport where you can have too long out I know we said that before Fiori and stuff like that but you know history does tell you that if you have these big prolonged periods out of the game you know it can be detrimental and I hope that's not the case with Thurman because you know that, that division's brilliant and he could be in some really good fights but personal opinion is that he'd have learnt a lot from that fight of you know about his body and you know, I, think, I think he'd be very very sore probably still now but I think it'll, it'll only be in my opinion I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know in Thurman's next fight he was you know he, he looked really good but you know as they say only time will tell Yeah I, I do agree with you I'm not trying to sort of pour scorn over that, that victory I think it's just I've got to ask the questions that people will also ask of, of that performance and you know is it the ring rust is it that he's left it too long to come back and all the rest of it I, that's I the sport though isn't it we're all, we're, everyone's always eager to say oh he's finished he's finished I don't know is boxing's one of them sports where you know you know, everyone's always getting pushed to retire or everyone's always finished when you put a bad performance in so you know as you say it's only right that you, you do bring up that, that point but yeah I think personally I think it was just the fact of he didn't expect or anticipate to be in a fight like that you know against uh, Lopez but you know, boxing doesn't always work out the way you think. I think Lopez was very competitive in that fight and a lot more competitive than what I was expecting myself. So it was good that he got that type of a fight, to be honest with you. And if he comes back in the next fight and he looks 10 times better than that, then then obviously we won't be putting it down to anything other than the fact that he was out of the ring for so long and he needed this type of a fight to get him back into the swing of it all because two years is a very long time. And for me, he's shown glimpses of himself in that fight, but at times also looked like... God, I don't know whether Furman's still got this on it. You kind of start contemplating these these questions. But overall, he, you know, he got the decision at the end of the day. He got the victory. He still got the WBA title, which is another point I wanted to bring on to next, which was, is there a particular reason why the WBA let him hold on to that title for so long? I think the WBA sort of just play by their own rules, don't they? They sort of just make up belts. They make up whatever they want, really. And I think, obviously, there's been a deal made behind, behind closed doors or there's been conversations had behind closed doors and you know, that's the way it goes but I'm, t- I'm certainly not surprised that the WBA have let him hold on to it for that long I mean it, it's pretty absurd really and, you know it's not it's not really respectful to the rest of the division but as we just said before that's boxing and yeah not that the WBA do will ever surprise me it was weird because like it reminded me of when Tyson Fury beat Klitschko and 
I literally the day after he beat Vladimir Klitschko and won like what was it three or four titles the I can't remember which governing body it was I basically turned around and said you better start negotiating otherwise we're going to strip you of the title and he said well you know what you can fucking have your title back and then we know what happened next but that that's that's absolutely absurd that he got he's got to keep the title for that length of time and you know I can't I'm not blaming him on this and I've said this in the preview episode for, for the fight that I'm not blaming that on Firm that's not his fault that's whatever's been agreed with behind closed doors but now we move on and I was discussing the welterweight landscape and how that looks now I mean I put polls out on Twitter I've discussed it over social media with different people I want to ask you what would you want to see next for Keith Thurman um I think on the back of that, I think he'd be apprehensive to go in with, you know, your Crawfords and your, your Errol Spencers, who are obviously tied up at the moment. But I think he, he's in a tough position because, you know, I don't think he wouldn't say it. I don't think he'd be personally confident going in with one of them on the back of that performance. I think he'd want one more. But he's had so long out. He's been so inactive that uh, of the fans and, you know, the people who make these fights, are they really going to be happy with him having another tune-up, so to speak? So he's in a tough position and, you know, he might well find himself in with one of them in, within this year. And, you know, maybe his time out will come back to from them but yeah I want to see him in one of them fights to be honest I do want to see him in one of them fights I, I feel like it's getting to the point of Furman's career where he does need legacy defining fights and I don't think he's had enough of them yet and I think going in with like the winners of Crawford and Khan and Spence and Garcia for me would be the way to build that legacy up but like you say it's a good point will he really want to jump straight into it I don't know but people have done it before so it depends on, on Thurman it depends yeah. on Thurman's team it depends if he on... doesn't he could he could go down the same sort of route that you know, Aaron Kelbrook did sort of thing where, you know, you, you end up not really fulfilling your potential and then your time's gone, you know, which is the way it looks for Kel. But, um, you know, he's, he's a seasoned pro now. You know, he, he needs, as you say, he needs a defining fight and he needs to really cement his name in that in that division. Otherwise, he's just going to be, although winning the world titles, the pinnacle quickly forgotten about once someone else was holding that title in a few years. So let's let's move on quickly then and talk about Jaime Munguia picked to picking up the victory and defending his title over this past weekend against Takeshi Inoue. In actually, the scorecards I don't think they did the fight any justice it was a near shutout but it actually looked a lot more competitive than than what the scorecards suggested and I thought that was a really tough fight from Hungary I wasn't expecting him to be in that type of a fight if I'm being totally honest but again he came out of it and he came out of it you know looking looking great looking great on paper and he moves on and he's another fighter like Thurman I mean he's only 21 22 who do you want to see this guy face next but what, what did you make of that performance did you get a chance to kind of catch the highlight of that. Yeah, I watched it. Obviously, I, I like Munguia, but you know, the worry for me with Munguia is he takes a lot of stick. You know, he's a young lad. He takes a lot of shots, and yeah, he's, you know, he's quite frankly he's good enough to take them and, and dish out more punishing shots. But you know, he took some shots against Liam Smith, and Liam Smith was quoted when he announced this fight with, um, with one of the with one of the outlets, I felt something like that. And he sort of said he has regrets because he felt that Munguia was very green, and I think that's my opinion of him. You know, he, he is a world champion and he is a, a very very good fighter now. But you look at him and he's still got so much to like so much to grow into and so much to, to get better on that, that he's nowhere near the finished article but he's still making waves in the sport so you can't really you can't really argue but yeah sometimes he takes a lot of shots he doesn't need to and maybe that's just his style but for someone who's 21 you wonder whether you know there's a lot of hours getting put on the clock quite early but yeah he, he, I mean if he's a, you know when he's on pay-per-view and stuff inevitably in the future you know you'll, you'll get your money's worth that's for sure I feel like he's being built to be Canelo's replacement when Canelo eventually retires in maybe two three years 
maybe four years down the line. That's what it feels like. It feels like he's being built on that platform to, to be the next guy off the fucking production line. That's what it feels like. And I, it's like you look at Canelo and obviously with him be, being Mexican, they start him early in Mexico professionally. He started at 15 and look at all the fights he racked up by the time he was Munguia's age. And Munguia's racked up quite a few fights already and I think that we could see it going down the same way. Well, you know, it, it, it's sort of like because he is all action and because he's, he will, he'll happily take one to land a couple. You know, <laughs> maybe the Mexicans are just different, you know, as we've seen in the past. But yeah, that's the only worry with me. I think like sometimes, you know, early on, Canelo probably, I don't know, I haven't watched all of Canelo's fights, but I'd be surpri- surprised if he took as much stick in them early fights as I feel like Munguia is at the moment. Although he's winning, I feel like he's, you know, he's constantly in, you know, sometimes the fights are short. His last one before this, but, you know, the Smith fight was quite tacky and, you know, Smith was catching with shots and you know, again, he was getting caught with shots. But maybe that's, as they say, if you go through him and you get wet, but I think he's just got such a, a crazy style that he, he probably won't ever be in a bad fight, but I don't know if that'll be good or bad for him in the future. It's interesting. We'll, we'll have to wait and see where they take him, whether they push him in quite quickly into the big fights or whether they try and nurture him a bit more. It'll be interesting to see how 2019 does go for Mungria, but yeah, he picked up another victory over the weekend and, and obviously we, we move on with him. Uh, I don't think there was anything else notable that I wanted to discuss over last weekend just gone. Was there anything that I've not picked up on that you wanted to mention, Jordy? Um, no, I'm totally honest. Um, I, I've only caught up on, on highlights of last weekend, so I wasn't up with the schedule as I usually am. So uh, I had a bit of a, I had my son, son's first birthday. So yeah, that was a little bit off the game. But yeah, I don't think you missed anything. And, you know, if you have, we'll look a bit stupid, but hey ho. <laughs> no, I think that for me, they were the most notable highlights of, of the weekend just gone. So I wanted to touch on them at the start of the episode. And, and then we'll move on now and obviously go to this weekend coming up. We've got one match room bill here in the UK. And then we've got them the bill over in the USA, which we'll talk about in about five, ten minutes time. But the UK bill, we're talking about it again before we started recording, giving our thoughts and opinions before we press the record button. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a mishmash bill. It's going to be a mixture of some fights look good on paper, some fights look shit on paper. But it, it really depends on, on how the fighters turn up on the night. And obviously, the headline act for this one is Ted Cheeseman stepping up for the European title against an undefeated 28-0 Sergio Garcia. And on paper, you look at it and you think, bloody hell, Garcia's had 28 fights in comparison to Cheeseman's, what is it, 14-15? And he, on paper, it looks like, bloody hell, this is going to be an interesting one to see whether Cheeseman is is the real deal. I mean, people keep saying, is he the real deal? Every time they throw him in with somebody, he, he's beating him. But is this a step too far? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, won't, I won't confess to have watched a lot of Garcia. I've highlights on YouTube since this was announced, and I always had quite highly thought of it in Spain. So, one of them, I don't think even Ted will really know until he gets in the ring you know you can study all these fighters but it's about what sort of opposition he's had over there so yeah I think it's it's one of them where you know we could have an absolute it could be a, a terrible fight a terrible car but you know sometimes these, these fights do flip and Garcia could be you know an unknown monster and you know, Ted could be in deep water but it's just one of them we're just going to have to wait and see but well, nicely he's got a couple of people in his way you know domestically and if he wins this you know this EBU title then obviously the next logical step is to step up to the world scene and you know if Ted can win this he puts himself in a great position because there's obviously big fights domestically there's all and then obviously he's going to announce world teams so yeah if, if Ted can win this it's a great start to the year I'm looking forward to it I'm not going to lie I, on paper like I said it does look great but you really don't know what level of opposition Gassi has really been in with and I remember when Skeet went over to Spain and fought Lejeraga and Lejeraga knocked him out you know and I was just like wow this guy a bit of a monster and I thought is it just a fluke or was it just a one time thing and then when he come back in his next fight he did exactly the same and I'm just like you know wow this guy is actually the real deal and could see this on Saturday night it would be interesting to see what Sergio Garcia has got in the tank what he's got to bring what he's got to put 
put on the table. But we also know what Ched, Ted Cheeseman's got. He's got a lot of skill. He's got a lot of heart, a lot of desire to win. And we'll see whether that will pay off on Saturday. But that, that's a really good fight for me on paper. But you look down the card and you look at some of the other fights. I mean, you get your usual matchroom suspects on there. Who's talking about Lawrence Coli being back in action against American Sean Miller. And I think that the, the word you were using is he's going to batter him from pillar to post or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I may be wrong, but I'm quite disappointed in, in this fight for Coley because obviously he's coming off the back of two wins but two performances that were criticised. And, you know, I would have liked to see him in with a fight where, you know, he maybe would have or whatever. And I sort of feel like this fight with Miller, he's not going to show, he's not going to have much respect for Miller, you know, in the way a Coley does. And, he, you know, if he wants to, he can probably end it as and when he sees fit. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about Coley this year. No one can argue with his, with his progress in terms of, you know, belts and stuff like that. But, you know, we are going to learn a lot about his, you know, whether he can make these adjustments to his boxing that, you know, people have been crying out for. But, yeah, I mean, Miller's been in with sort of like Tony Avalanche and Trent Broadhurst and stuff like that. So, I can see why Matthew have drafted him in, but I just wanted to see a test for the Coley where we, you know, maybe seen that he has been away working on his boxing and, you know, he has rounded his game a little bit and I just don't think we're going to get that this weekend. We've got Felix Cash also on there fighting for the vacant Commonwealth middleweight title. Uh, he's fighting fighting Rashid Abol- I can't even pronounce his name. Abolajai, I think it is. Um, I, I don't know him. I don't know of Abolaji. him. Abolaji, I read it as well. No, Rashidi, you know, the, the, the Sheffield lad who is Commonwealth, Commonwealth champion once upon a time. So, yeah, it's probably, I don't think he's fought anyone of note apart from that. But, yeah, Cash, it's a good chance for him to obviously get a recognised belt in the Commonwealth. And, you know, it's another one. If I don't think we're going to really learn much that we don't already know about uh, Felix Cash. Well, I was speaking to Josh Adewale for the ones to watch, and he had been down to the gym and sparred with Felix Cash. And he was telling me that, you know, no matter what people say, the, the guy looks world class. And, you know, that's coming from another professional fighter. So, I don't know, you know, obviously what to make of certain certain comments like that until we get to see him step up a level and, you know, if he picks up this Commonwealth title then that's when we'll hopefully start to see him step up another level. Uh, Jake Ball and Craig, Rid- Craig Richards then, Jordy. That's a fight that I know has been brewing for a while. Uh, we've had interviews done on the YouTube channel with Craig Richards saying he wants to fight him and now this fight's finally been made for this card. I actually think this is not a bad fight at all and I actually am looking forward to it. Craig Richards and Jake Ball have only got one loss on their record, both of them, and this is a, a really good fight. It's for a WBA Continental Light Heavyweight title, so this essentially will boost him up that rankings uh, on the world stage. So this will be quite interesting. There's a lot on the line for both of them, eh? Yeah, I mean, probably, you know, it could quite easily be the fight of the night, this, and, you know, there's a little bit of needle there that they're both big lads, and, you know, yeah, as, as you say, they're both um, got fairly decent records, and old Jake Ball had a pretty, pretty bad knockout, but, yeah, it's one of them fights where, you know, they both had a bit of a crossroads, they both got to start progressing, and, and soon, really. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot in the future for the winner, and it could be a bit, you know, tough for the loser, but, you know, that's what you want to see as boxing fans, and, you know, yeah, it's quite, it could quite easily be the fight of the night. Interesting. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, obviously, has announced to fight Anthony Fowler on the Smith Eggington card. It's also in a tune-up fight on this card, which probably won't be worth watching. I'll be totally honest with you. He's fighting Philippe Razdek, who's two and eleven, so we know that's going to be a bit of a walk over there. And then we've got Fabio Wardley uh, against Morgan Dezu. Uh, that's on the card as well. He's another prospect to look out for. And then we've got John Doherty and Charles Franken making their debut. Uh, well, Charles Franken that is making his debut, and John Doherty's two and zero. So we've got them on the card over that, that action on that one. So that's that, Bill. Um, 
USA Bill, you were talking about this again before the Alvarez Kovalev rematch, which I, I know you mentioned earlier. You, you, you kind of looking at Kovalev and thinking that's kind of it for him now. Yeah, I mean, you know, unless he does obviously um, upset the odds a little bit here, then you know it'd be, it'd be great because Kovalev's a big name, so he could obviously be in big fights. But I don't know whether we're still going to support whether we ever will see the Kovalev that based on the scene against uh, Nathan Cleverly. I just don't think he's there anymore. And you know, there's always been a lot of rumours about the way he lives sort of outside the ring in terms of you know, drinking alcohol and you know, it's not illegal but you know in this day and age athletes have got to be sort of 24-7 three six five, and you know maybe he hasn't been and maybe he's paying the price for that now but see how this fight can be anything other than what the first fight was but you know maybe I'm wrong and you know maybe Kovalev did just have had a couple of years yeah, I sort of predict that uh, I can get the job done I think it'll be I think it'll be a decent fight I think Kovalev will come to try and win but I do feel like Alvarez has got his number I mean I did watch the first fight and obviously Alvarez has stopped him in the seventh and, and he was just basically pressure 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 all the way through and we're seeing it from the ward fights that he had that he seemed to take a lot out of him both of them fights mentally and i think for me that combined with the fact that he's getting pissed all the time outside of the ring really isn't helping the situation and i, I think we could possibly see a repeat performance here from alvarez and i wouldn't be surprised and to be honest with you i'll probably be looking at betting odds for it because i think actually i think alvarez can do him again yeah i think uh, i'd struggle to disagree with you there and you know, maybe this is the end of Kovalev, but you know, he had he had his reign and he was a very, very dangerous man at one point. And you know, at, at one point, he's probably arguably the most you know feared on the planet. He was hitting the harder at that time. So yeah, I mean, he's obviously looking to have uh, a sort of second goal at, at reigning. But yeah, struggle to disagree in terms of Alvarez getting the job done. We've also got and two world title fights on that card, which will be quite interesting. We've got Richard Comney going for the vacant IBF world lightweight title against Isa Shaniev, who's thirteen and one. Again, I don't really know much about Shaniev to be able to comment as to whether he's going to be any sort of a problem for Comne. But all I do know about him is that in his last fight, he beat Ishmael Barroso, who Anthony Crawler beat about two years ago. So if it's, if it's anything to go by, he's, he's, he's a decent fighter. But I don't know if he'll be good enough to beat Richard Comne, to be honest. And I think this has kind of been set up for Richard Comne to win. If, I, if I'm being 100% honest on the situation, I think this has been set up for a Comne win quite easily. And I can't see it any other way going than... And then Richard Comney. Yeah, I can't profess to have watched a lot of Chaniev, but you know, at the end of the day, the problem these two lads have got is although one of them is going to become a legit world champion, they're probably going to either get mandated or get picked to fight Lomachenko. You know, whether whether that's before or after he fights Crawler. So you know, you could probably see their their reign being short-lived. But yeah, it's a pretty low-key world title fight. But you know, a good chance for Comney to become a world champion. And good luck to him. Really, if anyone can become a, a world champion, then you know that's the top of the game. So yeah, pretty low-key, but you know, a chance for them, either of them to write themselves into history. Really. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. It's another one to keep an eye on. We'll see what happens. Oscar Valdez also returns on this card to fight against, again, another relatively unknown fighter in Carmine, uh, Tommaso. who's 19-0, but looking at his record as for absolutely nobody of note, and he's at 34 years of age. I think, again, I feel like this is um, this is just set up for Valdez's return after fighting Scott Quigg and defending his title and looking good in doing so against a guy who's obviously got a padded record who for some reason has made his way into a position to to get a shot at a world title I don't know if this is actually a voluntary shot so I don't know whether he's been made mandatory I'm not too sure about that it could just be a voluntary shot so obviously they could have done yeah I believe picks. it is a voluntary shot and it's a bit of a match me from early he's 19 5 no, I anticipate Oscar Valdez just sort of warming into the fight and pretty much ending it when he when he sees it in the rounds and so yeah but Oscar Valdez is another one where you know his next couple of fights have got to beat the final ones and I think they will I think he's a, he's a very 
very game a game man, so yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing Oscar Valdez and some big fights come, you know, this year and next. So let's go on to one more fight that I've noted for this particular card. It's Tiafimo Lopez against former Terry Flanagan opponent in Diego Magdaleno. We've seen Terry Flanagan destroy Magdaleno in two rounds to defend his WBO lightweight title a couple of years ago, whereas Lopez has been destroying all eleven of his opponents and now goes in against Magdaleno, which I think is um I think is a good step up for him to be honest with you and we've been talking about him over the past couple of months and again when he beat Mason Menard and knocked him out in the first round in December that that was a big statement for me because obviously the experience Menard had had and Magdaleno was the same he's got some great experience he's obviously fought for a world title before lost emphatically but he's still been at that level where he's been in with with world champions he fought Roman Martinez back in 2013 so he has got good company to to call upon but again it's just been set up for Tiafimo Lopez to look great against a well-known name with a very decent record. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very very good step up. I think Tiafimo Lopez was very high on you know most outlets sort of prospect of the year and everyone's sort of keeping a close eye on him to see how he progresses and I think this is a very very good step up I think it's you know without being dangerous it's probably very respectable so yeah I think I'll, pretty, I'll look forward to that fight really and you know just see where TFO, Tiafimo Lopez is at in terms of you know we know he's got the talent but there's a lot more that comes to being a world level fighter so yeah this could be a good little a good little pit stop on, on, on his career and um, yeah I think it's a, again it's a good, a good bit of matchmaking to be honest Yeah it feels like that card but in particular the, the top ranked card this week and he's very been he's been matched in a way which gives their fighters the advantage of winning and that's what it looks like on paper it's very much like a uh, a standard UK Eddie Hearn show let's put it that way <laughs> yeah I mean you know matchmakers get paid the money for a reason and, you know these, these guys for that, uh, that card have done have done a great job and you know Eddie's Eddie's guys do a great job <laughs> from time to time themselves so yeah you know the reason and, you know this weekend's one of them it is and that, that sort of concludes obviously the bills that we've got coming up this weekend and as I said at the top of the episode I wanted to leave a little bit at the end of the show really just to talk about the announcement of George Groves retiring which I, I was surprised about and I'm happy about at the same time I think I think the fact that he's young in a lot of people's eyes is is, is, is a factor where people are thinking oh well he could still fight on he could still be in world level fights but my my gut feeling is the fact that he's been in a lot of hard fights over the years and he's a very and I think we've said this actually when he got beat off Callum Smith he's a very old 30 when it comes to in comes of, well, in terms of boxing anyway, he's a very old 30 and the injuries that he suffered, you know, the dislocation to the shoulder, you know, he suffered in other injuries in the past, which has hampered his career. So I think maybe it's his body's way of telling him, you know, it's time to call it a day and I think he'll have made a lot of money, especially from obviously the Frotch fight at Wembley and I think he'll have made some sound investments and I can't honestly blame him for, for making a decision to retire, although he could have stayed on and he still could have been in competitive fights. What's your initial reaction to that retirement announcement yeah I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty happy for George to be honest I mean I was always sort of especially in the frost fight I was against George Groves you know but over the years I've grown to sort of appreciate what um, I always knew he was a great fighter but appreciate the George Groves character and it's always nice to see a boxer get out that you know a little bit of, a little bit early in some people's eyes than you know evidently too late so George comes across as a very very clever man very as you say I'm sure he's got contingency plans and he's got his money invested well and at the end of the day he, he reached the top of the sport I know it was fourth, fourth time of asking or I believe fourth time of asking but he, um, he got to the top of the sport and he fulfilled his dreams he was in some memorable fights along the way not everyone gets in these big match domestic fights 
and at the end of the day, especially British people, that's what we remember fighters for. You know, we, you know, titles are on go at it. You know, and he was in two of the biggest ones in the last recent years in terms of Froch and the Gale. So yeah, I'm, I'm sort of happy for George and hope he has a you know, very good future. But um, there's a, definitely a space still for growth in the sport in other in other departments. You know, we live in a time or we're in a time where the pundits field and there's some shocking ones on very big wages. So you know, I'd really want to see. I'd want to hear George Rose's opinion on fights, and I hope that sort of everything goes down. And yeah, I think he'll, uh, he'll be a good addition to that side. But you know, probably a clever decision to George. I've got real, real fond memories of, of George Groves, and I'm just going to share that that with you now, and obviously with the listeners for, for for the episode. I started following George when he beat Charles Adamu for the Commonwealth title, and he was only sort of nine fights into his career, and that's where I started following him as a fan. And from there on, I watched him progress throughout his career. I watched him go life and death with Kenny Anderson, and then eventually beat Kenny Anderson. I watched him beat Paul Smith. I watched him obviously go in the ring with DeGale in, in what was a great build-up to the fight and genuine bad blood and needle between them two. It was great to watch them arguing and trading insults on ringside in between the fact that they were being asked questions. That was also brilliant. Then the fact that he moved on even further and, and put himself in a position to fight for a world title. And I'll never, ever forget the, the, froch, the froch fights. The froch fights for me were... He's going to be defined by him. If I'm being honest, I know he won a world title at the fourth time of asking and I absolutely love the fact he did eventually win a world title I always felt he did deserve to get that that piece of glory but for me I'll always remember the Froch fights not just because he got badly knocked out in the second fight but more so the first because it was the the fact that it was going into the unknown we had Cal Froch obviously the well established champion well on his way to becoming a British boxing legend he'd been in some wars he'd fought Kessler that same year and then we get the fight with George Groves in the November of 2013 and you just kind of don't know what to expect and it was great watching <laughs> Froch you know get so frustrated in, in, in the build up to the fight I'll never forget when he literally, looked, he literally looked like he was going to cry on ringside I'll never forget his face when he's sort of eyes closed and you could just see him going just fuck off and then it was just like that. you knew that at that point it was going to be an interesting fight and you knew he'd got to, to Cal Froch with the way Cal Froch was reacting and when he dropped Froch in the fight in the first round I watched it with with my missus and my missus didn't she never liked Carl Froch she never liked his arrogance and, and, and his attitude towards other fighters and she was absolutely rooting for Groves and when Froch got knocked down off Groves she absolutely went ballistic she, she was like I told you I told you she, she went nuts and then as the fight went on obviously Groves started to tire started to take punches and you know the debatable aspects of Howard Foster stopping it was it too soon or was it the right decision it's going to be debated to, to the high heavens but the second fight again the immediate rematch it wasn't as good as the first fight but the knockout was spectacular and for me that that is the defining part of his career them two fights with Froch will go down in recent memory in British boxing history as, as two you know the one of the greatest rivalries we've had of recent times yeah and that, that was obviously what I was alluding to you know that's what fighters get remembered for especially in this country you know and I know Froch has been a bit a bit you know a bit of a dick to Hutchinson in his, in his retirement and he sort of said some things that he probably should have kept to himself but if I was Carl Froch I'd be fucking thanking George Goes every day you know he made them so much money and you know George was the one who was selling it you know he was brilliant and then built up build ups and, you know he was a bit of a marmite character and he did you know he did split opinion but he sold them fights to high heaven and you know he was a dream in, in that build up but yeah I think that's what he will be remembered for he's obviously had his, his low moments in terms of like you know training situations and then obviously the, the bit of a sad well I say bit but a very sad episode with Edward Goodneck but it's one of them I think George has been through a lot for a 30 year old athlete and you know maybe his body is a little bit taxed and I'm just glad he's still got the sense and the support around him to sort of know when to call it a day because I think I've said this to you before I hate 
European fighters go on too long and I know we, we all love these fighters and we wish they were all evergreen and you know the reality is they can't and it's so good to see someone of George's talent George's ability to go out at top of his game financially secure all his faculties intact you know a very smart man and you know one that we should all remember and kids coming through should probably look up to because he had a bit of everything George he had ability and he also could sell a fight and you know whether people like it or, or loathe it that's the sport you've got to be able to sell yourself you've got to be able to sell fights you can't just be a good fighter because you know people people are not they, they want a package these days they want they want the trash talk and they want the stuff like that so I think George is a good role model for anyone coming through yeah absolutely I think people have got to look towards what he went on to achieve and now we're not sitting here and saying he was a British boxing legend because I, I don't feel he was and I, I'll stand by that comment and there'll be a lot of people that will stand by that, that statement as well but I do feel he's one of the great fighters in the super middleweight division of this past 15 years you know you've got to think of guys like Frotch that have been around you've got to think of obviously guys like Joe Calzaghe you've got to think of guys like obviously George Groves and you talk about them all in the same sense not because of what they achieved separately in their careers but the fact they was part of a, a super middleweight super middleweight era going from the 2000s to the 2010s and that's kind of where we've got to look at it from you know you had your era, your eras in boxing and you had the great 90s super middleweight eras the 2000s were, were mainly dominated by Calzaghe and then we had Frotch at the back end of it and then Frotch mainly dominated it in the, the early 2010s and then Groves obviously came along and, and put his 10 pence into that situation and finally got that world title on the fourth time of asking and I couldn't have been more pleased from that night when he won the world title because it was well deserved it, you know there was a couple of occasions where you felt like he'd been a bit hard done to so to see him actually do it was, was fantastic and you know there's, there's fighters out there that sometimes you see him win world titles and you think did they really deserve that and you do ask yourself that question but you cannot you cannot say that George Groves didn't deserve to win a world title there's no way in hell I will accept anybody turning around to me and saying I don't think he was that good I don't think he, he, he deserved to win a world title yeah he was look at the fighters he actually went on and beat look at them fighters on his resume you know you look at the resume of his last four opponents he had a combined record of 88 with two, 88 wins and two losses now that to me is, is brilliant that just goes to show you what he achieved he was he won the ABAs in the 2006-2007 season he was a European champion a Commonwealth champion a British champion and a world champion there's not really much more that he could have gone on and done to be honest with you no and I mean he was obviously rated as Thing Magazine number one and stuff like that and you know although them them sort of I think he obviously did fight for the Ring Magazine belt but he, he, he reached, as I said before he reached the very top of the sport and he did it all before his 30th birthday so you know no one could debate the career of George Groves whether he goes down as a British boxing legend so to speak is, is anyone's question I mean you know there's people who get called a legend who I don't really agree with and there's people who, who get forgotten about which I don't agree with so you know it's, it's subjective but one thing for sure George Groves achieved his dream and set his family up for life and what more can you ask for from, from Box? No absolutely 100% agree with you on that and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there that will agree with it and if you don't I don't give a fuck to be honest with you because I, I, loved, <laughs> I loved watching George Groves I loved watching his career before I started doing all the podcasting and the media stuff I really enjoyed watching it it gave me two of the most memorable nights in recent history and for that all I can say is thank you George Groves that, that is it thank you George Groves for giving us them great nights 
place in boxing whether he won or whether he lost he gave us some real entertaining nights and, and for me there's nothing more appreciation for him for, for, for doing that for, for, the, for the fans really and, and getting out at the right time but yeah enough enough of George Groves now I think we've uh, we've given George enough time on this episode I'm sure I'm sure you'll appreciate all the love and support he's getting at the moment so we just wanted to give our thoughts on George Groves' career what he's done for British boxing recently and, and obviously wish him well but there's nothing more for the previews we've done all the previews done all the reactions we've done our little bit on George Groves is there anything else uh, in that you want to bring to the attention uh, for this episode Jordy? No I think um, we've covered everything it's been very enjoyable but you know, I look forward to the card this weekend I look forward to the to the boxing really getting goal again UK and you know February's not as not as busy but then as we get into March it's, it, it's pretty much it's every weekend and you know that's how we want it Well actually you know, there's one thing I've forgotten about there's a very strong rumour going around at the moment via various little sources on social media that Anthony Joshua's going to be fighting Jarrell Miller in June in the USA oh, I thought I knew you were going to bring this up. I'll tell it, don't you? <laughs> it's just I'm so I'm so sick of listening about Joshua's opponent and Joshua's split. Much Joshua ends off this fight and this fight, and we don't do it on any other fight. It's just I'm sick of hearing the word split. It's, it's driving me crazy. But yeah, I think I'd much rather see him fight White. I think you know I've got honest to God, I, I watch a lot of boxing. I watch every level of boxing from small horse to to the biggest in the game, and I've got less than Joshua versus Jerome Miller. <laughs> I just don't I don't see the appeal. I honestly don't. And the Madison Square Garden thing and you can flip that and say everyone's got to go to the to the states and all that stuff but you know I just don't care I really don't where does it leave Dillian White then what, what, where, where, who does he fight now that's the problem for me it's like I wanted to see that fight Joshua White but who does Dillian White fight I mean that that pitch that was going around social media about two weeks ago uh, that photoshopped version of him fighting Klitschko is there any chance that could be a reality or is it just bullshit no I can't see it but you never know Klitschko could have got here could have got bored of being retired so speaking board of all his money but you know, I can't see it, but Dillian's in a pretty bad position. Well, you say bad, but you know, he's in a he's in a tough position where he's sort of just waiting for fights. But as Dillian's proved in the past, he'll fight anyone. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you seen like Dillian White versus Lewis Ortiz or you know someone like that. And I think you know Dillian's time will come, but um, it, it brings up the question of you know the money that he's been on. I just don't think Dillian would reject the fight for a for a reasonable offer. That's just my opinion. So you know, my only conclusion can be that his his offer wasn't you know wasn't wasn't very good. And you know, you've got to you've got to stand by your way. And you, I think Dillian's very strong-minded, and um, I don't think he'd be very happy with Eddie Aim. But yeah, I'd rather see Dillian White get the fight than Jarrell Miller. But we'll see once the announcement gets, gets made. But yeah, you know, just another another opponent the White fight to be def- definitely be more uh, competitive. Yeah, I've always said it would be. I'd, I'd like to have seen it again. I have been saying it for about 12 months, to be honest with you. If they never make the Wilder Joshua, then I'd like to see White get his opportunity again. And I would prefer to see that at this moment in time. But again, it's boxing politics. It's about what makes the money and what what they see for the long term for, for the fighters. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not going to rant about it too much because we could be here all night ranting about this situation because it's one of them where you just get so frustrated with it all that you just want to rip your bleeding hair out. So no, I ain't got anything else to add for, for the episode. I just want to thank all the listeners foremost for subscribing to the podcast sharing the episodes around thank you so much because we've smashed our target for our downloads for this podcast and I'm absolutely chuffed to bits with that and please keep doing what you're doing keep sharing it 
around, tagging your friends, telling your friends, posting it in all the boxing groups on social media, letting them know that there is another podcast out there, alternatively to all your big ones. Get listening to it, you know, get get telling everybody. That's it, just share, share the love, spread the word. That's all we're asking you to do because eventually, you know, we'll, we'll get to the point where all these big fighters are going to want to come on this podcast and that's when you guys as listeners will get the rewards of all that. But thank you for all the ones that have been retweeting all the ones to watch series the promoter live series thank you so much for that we really really appreciate it and no you know where to find us now it's at btr boxing pod and btr boxing podcast on facebook as well jordy anything else to add before we call it an episode no oh, i think you've covered it all there you know as you as you, you know, always do so yeah you know just keep listening and you know thanks for everything and i'm glad to be back Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.